Welcome to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke, and today's guest is Lisa Carrillo. She guides and coaches people to experience the infinite, even in challenging circumstances. She's also the author of several books, including An Unprincipled Life, Living from the Unknown, and Living Awake, 20 Techniques to End, I Got It, I Lost It. Today, we're going to talk about her memories in between lives, the perfection of her difficult lives, and the mastery of her life. Lisa, welcome to the program. Hi, John. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. You have several past life memories. So how did you discover them and how did you otherwise find yourself on the path that you're on now? The big chunk of them started happening after my best friend died. And somehow that seemed to make the veil much thinner. And I'll feel these intense emotions that don't match the situation. And if I just sit in the emotions and feel where they come from, then a scenario opens up and I can see the past experience in the past life. And the path, so, you know, as a child, I was already interested in spiritual things. I already remembered something about heaven or whatever's on the other side. A friend once said to me, you know, enlightenment is real. And I had no idea what he was talking about. But I knew that it was some kind of a real experience, a living experience. And when he said that, I changed. <laughs> that was what I became focused on. So you have memories of heaven or whatever is beyond the veil. And that was when, it was pretty early on. You're probably a kid at that point, right? Yes, yes. I saw a picture of Jesus and the children. And I knew what they were trying to depict. I was like, it doesn't look quite like that, but I know what they're aiming at. In some of the past lives, do any of the memories really kind of stick out as being significant? Yeah. You know, each one has taught me something. For example, there's one in which I had four children. I lived in a tenement building. I was their dad and I had a wife and they all died. And it was partially because I wasn't able to provide for them. And I had this ongoing grief into this life. And when I recognized that, I went back and asked their souls and they all said, dad, we didn't want to live longer than that. Really? I shouldn't say dad. It was an affectionate term. I wasn't really their dad anymore when I was asking them that. But they said, no, that was great. And the guilt that I had been carrying totally went away. Interesting. And a memory of you in another life, another scenario as a different sex, obviously is not your memory. I usually find those past life accounts or memories pretty significant especially when you're talking to a woman and sometimes in many cases they'll remember a life where they were like this big burly like iron smith or something <laughs> it can't possibly be them right right exactly so like how far back like what century what even millennia do your memories go? Well, I remember something that wasn't even on earth where we were all sort of balls of light moving around. It was kind of this very creative thing where we just enjoyed being beautiful together. That I can't say has any particular time. I remember being in some kind of really awful work environment where I was working underground. It was very hot and they basically just worked us till we died. So that had to have been quite a long time. I don't know if we were doing something with metal, but it was, it was very grueling. Underground. Wow. Okay. In this life, have you recognized people that you shared lives with before this one? Yes. There's definitely sometimes I have this just great connection with people, but it's not always because of a connection. I went in for a medical procedure 
And when I walked into the room, I couldn't catch my breath. I was just frozen for a second. And I had never met this person in this life, but there was some big energetic connection. And then I sort of gathered myself together and it was getting the IUD placed and it just caused a lot of pain for six months after that. Then later, many years later, when I had it removed, it caused a lot of pain. The string was gone. And in both cases, it just felt like he and I were finishing something. And in this context, you know, there was no way either of us would blame each other. You know, he did the best he could. I needed this procedure done. But it felt like there was some kind of resolution to whatever was between us. Speaking of past life memories, have you done past life regression sessions before, or are these memories pretty much instantaneous? They come on my own, you know, if I just sit and listen. I have had one session with a hypnotherapist. We weren't specifically looking for past lives. We were more looking for my higher self, my future self, different kinds of knowings. But So no, I haven't had a formal past life regression. What about the future life? I mean, this topic does come up more and more these days. Is it actually possible, like a possible path, or is it something that's definitely going to happen? I don't know what is definite. Might not be. Yeah, this world doesn't feel that definite to me. This one doesn't. This one feels like a projection on a screen to me. So as real as this is, everything is. It's just a set of sensations. Compared to the reality of the other side, this is a movie. All of them are movies. So yeah, of course, there's future ones happening. And we can jump into them. And it doesn't all have to be on one thread. Okay, that's probably beyond my comprehension as a mere mortal. But I have heard people talk about when they traverse into that area that we call beyond the veil, whatever it is, they seem to all concur that reality, that existence seems more real than this one that we have on earth. Yes. You're saying pretty much the same thing. Absolutely. Because first of all, you can dip in and out of this reality from that reality. And that one, the knowing is so much bigger and the connection is so much richer and the love is so much potent and tangible. I mean, all those things are accessible from here, but I mean, there is just the nature of existence. It's just like all the colors being brighter. Everything is so much more intense that this just feels so pale. So speaking of beyond the veil, have you had contact with souls that have passed on or is that not really in your wheelhouse? Yes. I had contact with my grandma who had some various mental challenges as far as personality disorder kinds of things. And it was really great to see her at peace and just being her loving self. I met her in her backyard there and she was just just wishing all this love in a way that she didn't have the capacity to hear. So when you saw your grandmother, did she look any different compared to when you saw her last? Yes. The physical body is not the main thing. So you can see the physical essence, which is, you know, just appears young and vibrant. But the soul is what you really see. The soul, you know, that's so bright. It's so light. It's so generative. There's just energy coming out, love coming out, joy coming out, creativity coming out. It's a much fuller experience of the person. 
reason I ask is that when people describe when they contact loved ones, friends that have passed on, they tend to look like they're younger, like in their prime. So it sounds like something what you experienced was similar. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Let's talk about your coaching a little bit. You coach people to experience the infinite. What exactly is that? So this that we are doesn't start in the our local being, our local body-mind. There's that universal consciousness that sort of has a tentacle out as us, which is a terrible explanation, but it's about the closest I can come up with at the moment. And that initial energy, that universal consciousness, that's the infinite. And because it is what we are, we all already are it. We don't have to contact it, but we just have to learn how to feel it if we want to. We don't have to. It doesn't have any need for us to contact it. It is us. But if we want to, we can tune into it and feel the greater fullness of what we are. I think what you're describing is oneness because it is us, right? Absolutely. Very hard for, again, us mortal beings to get our heads wrapped around that. But again, this is something here again and again and again. Now, speaking of dimensions and oneness and so forth, you've had some experiences with souls on the other side. What about non-human entities? Has there been any contact like that? or There was a contact with a very evolved, now that I've heard of Quinn Ying, I would think it might be her, just this very gentle, expansive being. Not that she felt huge, just that she felt deep, very dimensional. And she just presented herself and offered to be a helper. And I said, yes, of course. <laughs> it was really, really amazingly tender experience. Now, what about the memories of in-between lives? This discussion often brings up things like the council, the council of elders and planning the life before we come down here. Have you yes. seen or experienced anything like that or your clients for that matter? Yes. Yes. So I was really curious about my relationship with my husband. So I thought, okay, I really want to go back to when I planned this life. And as I went back, I actually found myself in this kind of courtyard hanging out with a bunch of soul friends and my best friend who had died was there and we were teasing each other. And he said something like, what was it like to be an atheist? And he was doing it jokingly. And I joked back, don't remember that. It's no fun. And then he joked back, what? You don't think I could have fun being an atheist? And he jumped into this life to prove that he could have fun being an atheist. And then I went and prepared myself a life so I could come down to check on him. And I went to this room. There were records of thousands of my lives. And for me, it was as easy as making scrambled eggs or making pancakes. It was thousands. He says thousands. Yes. Thousands of lives. Thousands of lives. Related to, or was it actually the Akashic Records, a record of all your past lives? It could be. It was certainly a lot of records, that's for sure. So it easily could be the Akashic Records. It just seems so normal to me at that point. When I think of the Akashic Records, I think of you should feel this great awe and getting permission or something like that. And I didn't feel any of that. It just felt like, yeah, of course, this is what you do. You come in here, you choose what you want to experience, you look back at what worked the best in the past, and you put together what's going to be the most enjoyable. Really? 
the most enjoyable, not the mission or the lesson that needs to be learned, or is it maybe a little bit of both? Well, the sense of perfection is so complete. So there's really no sense of, oh, I'm lacking something or something down there needs to be fixed. It more felt like just the creative energy likes the experience that looks like growth, likes the experience that looks like helping people. But it isn't because any of that is actually needed. It's actually just because that's what's fun. Okay. I've never heard it explained like that, but I'm sure there's many reasons for coming back here, especially when you have thousands of lives. You're going to have some variety, right? It's almost like a menu. So before I forget, what did this place, whether it was the records, the Hall of Records or not, can you tell us what did it look like? Well, it felt like I had like my own little room inside of this bigger space. And in this room were all of my life records. And there was like this little workspace for me where I could do the assembling of experiences and reminding, like I was giving myself little reminders to make sure that I'd find all the paths I had planned for myself. I didn't go in thinking, oh, now hopefully I make it. There's no doubt that, of course, you know, here's all the little turn points. It was just so much a confidence that, yeah, this life is going to go great. Okay. So it's not as if you can remember, like, what the chairs or the tables or the furniture look like. Couldn't say, well, it's all mid-century modern or 18th century Gothic, or you were in something that reminds you of maybe a church. Was there anything like that? I could try to put physical sensations on it. And actually, if I, I would say it, it more felt like just a creative workspace, you know, like a big counter with the place where I could assemble everything. That's, but the furniture, it just doesn't fit in earthly terms. Like I said, the best thing I could say would be more like a creative art space with all these files around it. So you remember, you have several memories of the in-between space, as you just described with your friend, and he jumped into a life. Here's a question that comes up a lot. Moving from that space where you decide whatever life you're going to plan, it's on the way. Why did we forget? Or maybe that's a silly question, but I have to ask anyway. <laughs> How could we live as a human otherwise? Yeah. Very true. And that answer is almost the same thing every time. Whenever I try to explain this to somebody, which I'm not very good at, they'll say, if that's true, then why do we always forget? And I thought it wouldn't really work if we remembered everything and we wouldn't learn anything, right? Yeah, because one of the things we get to experience here is the fun of mastering fear. Now, we can't even have fear on the other side. You cannot. You can't. You can't have fear. You can't have sadness. You can't have weakness. You can't have vulnerability. You can't even have courage because there's nothing to be afraid of. You can't have compassion because there's nobody who's hurting. Really? It's just nirvana, I guess. It's just there's no desire. There's no fear. There's no pain. Wouldn't that be boring, though, or not necessarily? Well, because we come here for those experiences, we're in a condition where we're interested in fear and we're interested in hurt and vulnerability and overcoming and growth. That's kind of innate to being here. So in this place, we might think that would be boring. On that side, well, I mean, obviously we choose to come here. So 
we must think it's also interesting to leave there. But on that side, it's not an experience of boredom. It's an experience of this generative creativity and connection, just profound connection. But we do love tasting experiences through each other, human experiences. So the human remains very interesting, not because it's not interesting there, but just because it's available. So if it's true that you can't have emotions or experiences that involve fear or courage or pain or any of that, how can we explain some of the what are called dark near-death experiences where it seems to be a peak across the veil where in some experiences it's not pleasant and it is scary. And there are people that maybe have channeled certain things like the lower realms where maybe people that are murderers or just really bad, bad souls go to. How do you explain that? Or is it more than likely superstition? Well, the best explanation I've had in this resonates for me, is that the manifestation of our thoughts, there's lots of different things we call thoughts, but there's a, a level of intention that manifests. And there it's just so natural that if we're bringing with us this regret or this guilt or whatever else, then it can manifest into these dark experiences. And the moment that we're not interested in that, it ends. It's always available to leave that. Okay. Well, that's definitely good to know. Very, very interesting stuff, especially the levels of the spirit world. But speaking of manifesting, when my time comes, and I'm obviously in no rush, when I get there, if I think, man, it'd be really cool to like play guitar with Jimi Hendrix and Tom Petty and Prince, they're just going to magically appear and say, here you go, Johnny, we got an extra amp for you. Come on, let's have some fun. Or is that just pure fantasy? If it's coming from that level of intention, it's because they're having that same interest. And so, yes, it's going to happen. Here, we have a lot of superficial thoughts that are all about just our own reputation and trying to make ourselves feel bigger than we are or feel more concrete than we are. And those kinds of things don't really manifest as well. It's more that deeper, life-driven intention that manifests and that's that's all we'd have there so if you had that yeah of course question about the in-between space because it implies that you maybe started with a past life memory and then went into that realm in your past lives have you actually experienced what it's like to die yes yes many times what's that like it's so wonderful really <laughs> it's so wonderful it just Every time I hear that somebody has died or somebody's close to death, I can't help but be excited just because this body feels like a dampening, heavy, thick wetsuit that doesn't quite fit right. And once it's gone, oh, it's just so light and open and free and mobile. When it comes off, it's, it's like, oh, yes, finally. <laughs> it's so light. And the love, the love. The love, yes. I actually had a part of my soul come to me in a dream. And when I felt it, I just started crying so hard that it woke me up out of my dream. I mean, it was clearly not just a dream. Because it's, it's shattering to anything we want to just hold together as a structure. To be loved that much just breaks me wide open. 
So I think what you've been talking about does explain mastering difficult lives, mastering fear, mastering all the different obstacles and so forth, and which hence brings forth the mastery of life. Because once you've mastered all the earthly obstacles or what or minefields or whatever you want to call them, that does constitute mastery of life or is that something different? Well, I would say there's one other level, at least for, for me. I feel like I'm in mastery of life when I'm enjoying every experience. Because from that other side, I came because I wanted to have this. I wanted to feel, and I do feel, that what I am, just getting to be Lisa, is the greatest gift. And every experience I get to have is an, an adventure. And when I'm in that place of constant enjoyment of everything that comes, that feels like mastery of life. And then I am in heaven on earth. And so it doesn't really matter if I'm here or if I'm there. So the more I feel that here, I've mastered life. So speaking of mastery... As you go through the process and you remember your past lives, which may heal certain things in the present life, do you feel that your soul is advancing? I'm adding on wisdom. I'm adding on insight. I'm adding on perspective. So I guess you could call that advancing. It's going from one place to another. <laughs> you are apparently able to recognize advanced souls in your everyday life. How do you actually do that? Yes, sometimes. Sometimes you can feel somebody who has this greater perspective about what's happening. But I don't rely on that 100% because a very advanced soul could decide to come in and be something that's a challenge to others. You know, they could choose to be a homeless person. Like I heard of somebody who chose to be homeless to help his sisters learn compassion. So he was an alcoholic on the street, but he was doing that deliberately. So you can choose your role. You can choose your role, but let's say I would never consciously choose that. But once you do that, can you in midstream say, okay, this is kind of lame. I don't really like this. I don't like being homeless. Can you change course and become prosperous or not necessarily? Yeah, sure. You can always change course. The thing is, there's different levels of thoughts. So if it's down from that life-affirming place that says, yeah, the next great move for me is going to be this instead. Yeah, you can totally. But if it's just part of the role, you know, you chose that I'm going to be somebody who's unhappy and it's just one of those unhappy thoughts that the unhappy person has, it's not going to cause any change. Do you have any insight into what many of these intuitives call ascension, moving from the third dimension to the fifth and, you know, et cetera, et cetera? Yes. I feel I had two things that were particularly poignant. One was when I heard, and I was about eight years old, that the planets were going to be lining. This voice in me said, oh, maybe this is it. So there is something happening in my lifetime that is some kind of a big transition. And I'm currently 52. Then... I also have this sense that from time to time, I go report to this bigger group. And for a little while, in fact, I seem to be reporting a lot. And I remember suggesting, I think this fear of death thing is holding people back. We got to help them not have so much fear of death. I agree. Yes. You're doing a great job in that. Well, 
Who, me? Yes, and helping people with that. That's You're exactly on the road to helping people with that. All right. Well, I'm not getting paid for it, but I'm glad to do it. I think what you mentioned a few moments ago about when you realize that someone close to you or a friend of a friend is near death, you're like excited for them. It reminds me of a woman I interviewed a while back. She had a near-death experience. And at one point afterwards, she was volunteering at a hospice. And there is an older gentleman there. He was nearing the end and he was really, really afraid. And she just basically said, you know what? There's no reason to be afraid. It's going to be awesome. You're going to see your friends. It's going to be like a party. They're going to welcome you home. There's nothing to be afraid of. And he says, okay, I'm going to get ready. And he just changed his attitude like immediately, which I thought was pretty cool. But you're right. We do need more of that to a point where it reaches critical mass. But I think it's going to take a while for that to actually happen. Although, you know, those kinds of curves, this slope just gradually gets steeper and steeper and steeper. So in this part, it can feel like, wow, things are going very slowly. But you can be right at that tilting point where the slope starts getting really steep. So you think there's going to be something, some kind of tectonic shift in our lifetimes? Yes. Hopefully for the better. Yes, absolutely for the better. I have no doubt about that because I know what we are. I know what's generating the core of this experience. And I know it's so good and loving. That's good to know because this audio recording is on January the 6th. And we all know what that means. It's an anniversary. So it's Good to know that someone visualizing some good things happening in the near future. Definitely. Anything else that we need to know? Us mere mortals, that is. <laughs> we are all the same. We're just having the particular experience that the one wants to have through us. So nobody's less than anybody else. No one's less than anybody else. All right. No. Lisa, great, great information. Thanks for joining us today. In the meantime, how can our listeners find you online? My website is experiencingthetrueself.com. Excellent. I will put that in the show notes in the transcript as well. You've been listening to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing. You can also find more information on closertovenus.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.